Welcome in and thank you for joining us this evening live on the SOD network here on YouTube and available via podcast on whatever platform that you might be listening on. I will be your host and you can find me on Twitter at Dan Brown NFL. Excited for tonight's special guest, but before I get ahead of myself, my esteemed co-host is here with us this evening as usual, Nasty Nate. You can find him on Twitter at Nate underscore FFL. Nate, what is going on, my man? I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm still mad at you right now. I'm still mad at Brother Matt for my giant head profile that's on the screen right now. But you know what? We're going to deal with it uh, because we have a guest that uh, is somebody that I've looked up to for a long time as a, fan, a fantasy analyst, uh, as somebody that uh, does, uh, you know, does a lot of work in the fantasy community. I respect when somebody does a lot of um, deep work into fantasy analyst and Jacob Gibbs is one of the top most underrated people in the fantasy community. Uh this is a show I've looked up uh look forward to for a long time so I'm excited to have Jacob here. Uh I'm super 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 stoked. Uh with that said, I am going to welcome in Jacob. Jacob, he is from CBS, he's from Sportsline. Uh Jacob, welcome to the show. We are so thrilled to have you here, brother. Yeah, super stoked as well. Appreciate all the kind words. Uh, wasn't ready for the big head effect. I already have a very large melon. Um, and so to see it magnify this way is, is a lot. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited to dive in on some of these guys. You know, to be honest, I kind of thought maybe you had a small head. Me and Dan are both known for having a seven and five eighths inch head. We It's it's well known within the fantasy community where we wear the same size hat. Uh, we are uh, podcast co-hosts. We wear the you know, the same size dome and it's big for short guys. Jacob, how tall are you? Just, just out of curiosity. Five foot nine, but absolutely <laughs> You're the same head. height as both of us. <laughs> no, <I> mean, it's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all on the shorter so end. We're all and, short and, with and big large heads. headed. So, I mean, we're going to put these large heads together tonight and we're going to create something beautiful. That's what we're here to do. And we're here to do it for anybody and everybody that's out there. Ah, oh, this is perfect. This couldn't be, this couldn't get any better. Uh, actually, I feel more relaxed now. Thank you, Jacob. Since we're all stat nerds and we're you know laughing about uh, big heads, just real quick, my uh, girlfriend is a chiropractor, and so her job often involves you know holding people's heads, lifting their heads as she like works on their necks. And she's worked on mine, and she mentioned how heavy it is. And I'm like, well, you see so many people, you honestly could give me a good answer. What percentile weight do you think my head is? She goes 97th percentile. Not joking. Dang. Well. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's slander that's so or, or a compliment, but you know, <laughs> either way, you know, being being top of the class is typically a good thing in our business. <laughs> right, right. I think yeah. it depends on who you're talking about. With a guy like Jacob, that's probably a compliment. With a guy like me, eh, not so much because I'm not good with numbers. Jacob is. <laughs> Well, guys, before we get into the mean bones of the show, I do want to take a mention to mention that SOD is indeed proud members of Fantasy Points Live, and they have a ton of new content coming your way right now, including John Hansen's underdog fantasy best ball draft plan and best ball positional tiers. There is a Wes Huber's updated top 350 PPR ranks for Dynasty, and then Scott Barrett just now dropped the anatomy of a league winner there as well. Sign up for fantasy points premium content today using our promo code suns22 you can get 10 percent off at fantasypoints.com go check it out because if you ride with fantasy points you will score more in 2022 and beyond 
Oh yeah. Big shout out from Dan to fantasy points. We obviously love that we are partnered with fantasy points this year. Uh, before we dive into a lot of what Jacob is going to talk about in this show, which is a lot of players and analysis, we are going to talk about some of the training camp battles that are going on right now. Uh, we're going to talk first and foremost about Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, that little bit of, you know, some might call it a battle. Some might not. I don't think it's so much of a battle as some may say. I think that Baker Mayfield is the obvious starter. Um, I think that the Panthers are probably going to present Darnold as a threat to Mayfield. I don't think that's the case. I don't think the Panthers paid a lot for Baker Mayfield, and I don't think there's a lot of risk on the table, but I do think that the Panthers offense, that including DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, are better with Baker Mayfield under center. So I just wanted to ask you guys very briefly, this won't be a long segment, but uh, we'll start with you, Dan. What do you think of the, you know, the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold situation? Is this something to even worry about? Do we care? What do you think? I mean, yeah, yeah, we care to an extent. I do think that Baker Mayfield being in the building is an upgrade for, you know, the the DJ Moore of CMC. Uh, I, I do believe that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. So, therefore, I, I think it is better for those weapons around him. Um, you know, as of right now, it is a camp battle. Uh, who, who's going to come away with it? But I think the Panthers were clear when they brought Baker in that they're looking for an upgrade. And if you look back at the statistics – Baker is that upgrade. So, you know, it, I, I've got a ton of DJ Moore exposure. I had it before the Baker trade. I'm continuing to soak it up. I I love DJ Moore, and, and this just gives him that much more upside. I mean, I'm, Baker can fit right into the system play action. Christian McCaffrey, you know, they're, they're going to play to his strengths, I think, here. And DJ Moore is a perfect fit for what Baker Mayfield can do as far as a quarterback goes. That's actually a pretty fair point because, you know, I'm not the biggest DJ Moore guy. Uh, Dan, you probably know because we've been close for a few years, but um, a lot of people may not know this, but I have not been not have been, have been big on DJ Moore. But uh, lately I've kind of turned around to it. Jacob, what are your thoughts on DJ Moore, CMC and the rest of the Panthers offense? I'm a huge DJ Moore fan, so I hate to hear you say I that. Uh, I, uh, I think Baker really helps him here. Um, one area where DJ Moore really stands out is he's extremely uh, efficient versus man coverage. He's been one of the best receivers in the league versus man. Um, he's just an excellent route runner, gets open, easily win, lined up in single coverage. And Sam Darnold is like by far the worst quarterback versus man coverage. Um, and we saw um, that carry out in Moore's rates. Uh, his career prior to Sam Darnold, he averaged 2.5 yards per route run versus man. That dropped all the way to 1.9 last year. Um, Baker's been about league average versus man, which is a huge upgrade over Sam Darnold. And that's really like, I'm not super excited about Baker, but he does. I think like Dan said, like he does compliment DJ well. And I think uh, he's probably the best quarterback that he's had. So I'm, I'm really excited. I think it's gonna be a big year for DJ Moore. Yeah. No matter, no matter what happens, it's an, it's an upgrade to that offense. I mean, Baker has been more efficient in every category almost than Sam Darnold, but I do think that the Panthers try to keep it, um, you know, for whatever it's worth in contention that there's a quarterback battle in place. I don't think it's true. I think that the Panthers are a possibly a playoff team with Baker and with Darnold. They're not. And so you guys pretty much covered that 
uh, head well, to toe. D- DJ Moore among all wide receivers ranks 12th in yards per game with 75. He's 21st in receptions per game with 5.2 since 2019. And despite the constant change at the quarterback position and lackluster play is what we're going to call it, Moore he has been extremely efficient over the last three years. His 1.96 receiving yards per route run ranks 14th best out of 81 qualifying receivers. So, so I'm DJ Moore. I mean, it has has really come out and produced. Yes, the touchdowns haven't been there, but the yardage, the usage has been there year over year, and that's with subpar quarterback play. Now we're getting an upgrade at the position. I think DJ Moore's got wide receiver one, not the wide receiver one, but wide receiver one upside for the first time in his career here in 2022. Well, I will I will, I will say this too at a fault at my own that I haven't been a big believer in um dj Moore in the past because of you know the quarterback just the lack of the quarterback production but the fact is is that he has produced without the quarterback so that's on me you know what i mean and i'm a, i'm not afraid to admit that i was wrong there so that's a great point by both of you guys so uh excellent point next uh position battle that i want to look at in training camp is kind of the packer situation at wide receiver obviously uh you know they're down to the the uh, the bare bones here. We've got Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, kind of, and you know maybe even Romeo Dobbs. So if it's me, and I think if, if it's anybody else, I think Alan Lazard is obviously the number one target for Aaron Rodgers. I think it kind of depends on what happens in training camp. Who does Rodgers pepper with targets? I don't think any of us really know. But if you if you guys had just a guesstimate of to what's going on right now with the Packers. The wide receiver position, uh, Dan. I'll throw it to you first. What do you kind of think might happen if you just had a guess? I mean, I, I do think I like Lazard the best out of all of them here for the twenty-two season. He's got some chemistry there with Rogers, and and throughout Rogers' career, that that has kind of proved to be something that that he leans on is having that chemistry. Now he he's had times, you know, you're seeing the Romeo Dubs. Uh, you know, hype on Twitter here today has has been through the roof over the last 24 hours. The the fact of the matter is is the opportunity there in Green Bay with what we're calling an elite quarterback is there, and whether it's going to be Lazard, Watson, uh, or or potentially even one of these you know later round ADP guys that that emerge, somebody is going to. I, I'm I'm continuing to love Aaron Jones. Yes, people are scared off of him yeah, via AJ yeah. Dillon, but I. I think the 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 connection that Jones has with with Aaron Rodgers and, and we've seen the the big play upside that Aaron Jones creates. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to lean on him a little bit more. He is going to be your Alvin Kamara here uh, type of player in twenty two. So I love Aaron Jones and the wide receivers. It could really go any way at this point, but I do like Lazard the best to produce. Um, but AD, at ADP, if I miss on Lazard, I don't mind taking a shot on some of these later round guys. It is pretty interesting. Jacob, what do you think about like just kind of what's going on with the Packers right now? I know it's very early, but early yeah. thoughts. Yeah, uh, early uh, reports out of training camp have been pretty positive um, towards Lazard and Dubs, like you mentioned. Uh, I would mention that um, Lazard's splits with Demonte off the field are pretty encouraging. Uh, he has overall has really poor per route rates. And so I didn't expect much from this year, but um, He's been targeted on 21% of his routes um, with Adams off the field since 2019, which is up from 15% when Adams has been on the field. Um, and he's averaged 2.2 yards per run with Adams off the field compared to 1.3 with him on the field. Um, that's 190 routes, so relatively small sample size. Um, but it does resemble 
someone who could be relevant in fantasy, which I hadn't really been convinced that Lazard is. Um, but that that's encouraging. And yeah, with Watson, he's obviously the most exciting in the group, but like he's dealing with an injury right now. And that's just never a good thing, especially with Rodgers. If he's not there building that, you know, rep with Rodgers early on, like that's discouraging, especially for a guy who's kind of considered a, pro a project receiver, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so really at their ADP, I'm not taking much of any of them other than dubs. Um, I like Lazard all right, but there are a lot of other receivers in that range that I prefer. Yeah, I can and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. I, I believe Lazard actually finished ahead of even Devontae Adams in red zone targets this past year. And yes, Devontae Adams missed some time. Uh, but, you know, now with Devontae Adams, I mean, Lazard has to be the favorite here down in the red zone for, for Rodgers. If, if it's not going to my guy, Aaron Jones, obviously, which which I, I think is going to be a a very prominent i can't stress enough how much aaron jones exposure i want to have this upcoming season and i'm going to continue soaking it in yes aj dylan is a thing and i think he's going to get his work in i do but the the touches that i want the, those those valuable touches that's aaron jones baby and i and I, i'm going to be soaking them up this upcoming season yeah talk about on off splits aaron jones splits with adams off the field are ridiculous <sighs> Unbelievable. And, and you can get him in the third round. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right. If we're, if we're going to move on, I briefly want to talk. I do want to talk about Julio Jones. I'm not sure if you guys want to talk about Julio, but I think it's worth mentioning. Julio Jones was signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a one-year deal. Does this make an impact on fantasy football? We can start with either of you. I'll throw it to Jacob first. What do you think? Uh, assuming Godwin is healthy, like they've said, I don't know where Julio really fits. I don't know if he's going to. Do you think he'll start on the perimeter opposite Evans, and then like that pushes? I Jake think without Godwin there, yeah, there's an impact. But once Godwin's back, I'm not sure. You know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you you think think back even even when AB was first brought in, and you know he he really came in. Bruce Arians was you know not not telling him, hey, you're going to be a starter. He, he was really more of a situational player, and, and it, it blossomed into something more than that, and, and it, it became great. I mean, A.B. this past year put up numbers that, that most wide receivers only dream of, and, and to think that he's gone at this point, it, it just goes to show you. Um, but I, I don't know that Julio Jones is going to come in and, and, and take an, an every down role. I think he is going to come in and be more situational. Yes, it, it's nice to have him there. Maybe Godwin is ready. Maybe, maybe not. But I think Julio Jones and Russell Gage, obviously, two, two of my Falcons now they're playing in Tampa, uh, are, are obviously make it to where they don't need to rush Godwin out there. You know they they have they have plenty even even you think they're five six you know Scott Scotty Miller uh, Jalen Darden I mean those guys even have have some promise so they're they're deep at wide receiver and I think the Julio Jones you know he, he what he has a chance to maybe get a Super Bowl now because nobody's gonna deny that Tampa uh, is probably got to be a top top five favorite I'm not I haven't seen the odds lately but top five favorite to win the Super Bowl again this year Julio wants a piece of that you know he, he doesn't have many years left I, I salute Julio love everything he did for the city of Atlanta I don't think that he's completely washed no but I don't think that he is the Julio that 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 we know and love and have for the past uh you know eight or nine years at this point so uh you know I'm not 
huge in on the Julio signing. I think it more than anything, it just kind of dampers that outlook for Russell Gage. Maybe even that that Mike Evans that, that we were kind of wanting to buy into this year with Chris Godwin being postponed. But the fact that Chris Godwin's probably going to be back potentially early and the Julio Jones signing, I mean, this cools me on Mike Evans a good bit. I know other people are saying that this doesn't change anything for them, but I, I am cooling off on Mike Evans here. Jacob, your thoughts? No, I don't have much to add. It doesn't affect my projection on Evans much. It more took away from the four and five receivers there. I feel you. All right, man. All right, so cool. Yeah, we're going to, with all that in mind, we're going to move into um, a bit of a different portion of the show. We're going to move into the advanced advanced stats breakdown. This is going to be some of the things that Jacob looks at when he analyzes players. Uh, you know, it, I'm a big fan of this. So I've been involved in this industry since 2012. Uh, I started out as a writer for the Detroit Lions. I started to transition into fantasy football around 2015. And that was because of watching uh, and listening to shows like CBS Sports and Sportsline and things like that. And listening to guys like Jacob. Uh, with that in mind, I'm no good at numbers. I cannot I cannot do these advanced stats as much as I love them. I cannot, pro I cannot process these things in my brain. But Jacob is a a magician as far as it goes, as far as producing these stats. These are stats that, uh, you know, that, that correlate well to fantasy and will win you championships. I've been pushing this on Dan and Matt since we started SODFS a year ago. These are DFS shows. You can ask both these guys. I've had Jacob's, I've had Jacob's two tweets in the notes well over a year ago. Uh, so we're looking at all this stuff. We're going to start out with what Jacob likes to talk about. Uh, we're going to look at uh, multiple things. First thing we're going to talk about is targets per routes run. A after that, I'm going to let Jacob kind of take it away. But Jacob, uh, man, this is your spot here, and we love everything you do. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I think just uh, taking it a little bit deeper here with the per route data than um, most places do. Um, and I think... It does correlate strong with fantasy scoring, um, but it's the most, strongest stat, <laughs> yeah, on a per route basis, yeah, it correlates higher than anything else. Um, but mostly, it just helps to kind of contextualize things, um, and that's that's where I really find the value in the per route data. Um, is um, it can help you know identify a player who maybe uh, like Elijah Moore as a rookie or Chase Claypool as a rookie. We're like, and Claypool didn't break out the way we thought he might, but someone who is performing well on uh, in a limited role and could you know really you know be a fantasy star if they got more routes run or players who were injured uh, like Devonte Adams in 2019 um, missed, I want to say seven games or something like that. And so like a season in numbers really didn't stand out as like a wide receiver one type, um, but his per route data really did. And I did point towards him as being, you know, Michael Thomas level, like the best, you know, fantasy receiver available. And then he went absolutely nuclear the next two years. Um, AJ Brown is somebody who I'm really excited for right now because his per route data is, is really, really nuts. Um, so you can find all this on Sportsline. I give uh, a full breakdown of, um, all the data that we have in terms of target per hour run, yard per hour run from the previous season. And then I also dive into some of the guys, uh, whose data really stood out to me. Um, I think you can find it on PFF as well. Um, but outside of that, do you, I, I, so I have a database available, available to me through CBS that gives me all this, but like, do you guys even know where to find per data? Cause it's pretty hard to find at this point. Yeah. So I have your article pulled up. I, I was reading your article earlier. Um, that's basically my limit there as far as where to go on that stuff. But um, yeah. I do have your article pulled up from earlier. 
Yeah. So you can find it on Sportsline for sure. If you, you know, Google targets per route run uh, or just per route run data with my name, you'll probably find it on Sportsline. Um, and then also on Twitter, if you follow me, I'm just tweeting about this stuff all the time. I like to give out as much of this free information as I can in terms of the leaderboards. And then obviously, you know, my analysis on what I find interesting. Um, yeah, we could uh, just kind of focus on some of the guys from this year's article. The first one is AJ Brown. Um, yeah. it, AJ Brown, man, I, I don't know if people realize just how absurd um, some of the stuff we've, we've got from AJ Brown is lately um, in terms of his per route data. He's really been targeted and drawn air yards at a higher rate than any player in the NFL, um, higher than Devante, higher than Cooper Cup. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And obviously he's changing situations here, but from um, what I've seen, typically players who demand this type of uh, target rate, it's pretty sticky year over year, um, even in different situations. Um, so AJ Brown uh, was targeted on 31% of his routes, which is tied with Devonte Adams and Cooper Cup. Uh, he's also joins Calvin Johnson as one of only two receivers to draw target on over 30% of the routes at the age of 24 or younger since 2010. So um, obviously pretty exclusive and impressive company there. Um, and then another way I like to look at this is not um, just by per route, but like when they were on the field, what percentage of the targets, what percentage of the air yards did a player account for? And again, AJ Brown comes out on top. Um, in 2021, when on the field, he accounted for 37% of Tennessee's targets. Uh, Devontae Adams was next, 35%, Cooper Cup, 33%. So like, he's really in a league of his own. Same thing with air yards. I want to say it was 48%, uh, which led the league. Um, so I'm really curious, what, what do you guys think with him? Well, I think if, uh, I'll jump ahead of you, Dan. Uh, yeah. Dan is even a bigger fan of AJ Brown than myself, and I'm a huge fan. Uh, I don't know if there's a bigger AJ Brown fan yeah. than Dan. Uh, I am super excited. I've been a Jalen Hurts supporter for, you know, since eh, pretty much the last two years, you know, um, before he even got into the NFL draft. A lot of people were hating on Jalen Hurts and the, the um, possibilities that he would have as an NFL quarterback, but I've always been optimistic, and I, I always knew that the potential was there, especially in fantasy, because it doesn't correlate necessarily as strictly as a regular NFL season may do. Um, but, you know, I'm, uh, I've am i been big on A.J. Brown. I, I love A.J. Brown. I think with Jalen Hurts, and I think, what, what you know, to be honest with you, if I'm going to be – if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I think this really opens up a lot of offense for Devontae Smith, a guy that I'm a very fucking big fan of, and I'm not afraid to admit that either. Um, so I think this opens up a ton of doors for a lot of the Seagulls offense, and I there's no reason for me to dislike any of it. Uh, Dan, I'll kind of throw it to you, see what your thoughts are on the situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm, as you mentioned, a huge A.J. Brown guy, uh, you know, even from – rookie rankings you know team ajb over dk metcalf so you know i've been riding this whole way wow. uh you know bet betting on the talent and you know i'm here you know in in georgia atlanta and you know a slick closet titans fan uh just being in the northern part of georgia uh, i'm almost just as close to the titans uh and, you know part I, I was slick angry i i almost feel like i have zero allegiance to the titans as soon as aj brown was out the door and you know nate as you know too though uh jalen hurts i i've been you know on the horn for jalen hurts the, we the both past have. two seasons at this point so i you know i love it from that standpoint but if you know ryan Tannehill, man i'm pissed off 
that that the, the Titans let AJ Brown get out of the building. I mean, you know, with with Henry there, with Tannehill probably potentially his last year there for the Titans as well. Uh, you know, I get it. You know, you know, not wanting to pay him the big money, recycling through the NFL draft, and and potentially finding a guy who can what maybe at best case scenario be AJ Brown. It's like, be a copycat. You know, right. You know, I just feel terrible for Ryan Tannehill, the weapons that he has this season. Yeah. A, a banged up 30 year old Robert Woods, uh, a rookie Traylon Burks, you know, who I, I'm. Wait, I'm wait, 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 wait. We, you mean, you mean the Titans can't replace you? They can't replace AJ Brown with a banged up Robert Woods and, and, and a rookie? No, oh, man. It's terrible. Oh, and I mean, Tannehill's ADP shows it. I mean, the difference between this year and last year with Ryan Tannehill and then oh, where you screwed. can get him in the draft, it, it's night and day. I mean, Tannehill's down there with, with, with your guy, Jared Goff, and a couple of other superstars like like Wentz, you know. I mean, it, it is not looking good, and I feel terrible, but, you know, it wheels up for A.J. Brown. I'm all in on this Eagles offense, and, and yeah, it's scary. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's scary. But I think the upside is worth the risk. So I, I love AJ Brown, I, you know, and the weapons around Jalen Hurts this year. You can't deny uh, he, he's he's got the tools there to to really have that that huge upside season. Still soaking up best ball shares, soaking up my dynasty shares. I may move a couple, uh, you know, this season just to kind of hedge my bet a little. I mean, the ROI has been there over the past twelve months already. Why not get out on a couple shares right now? But I'm not, you know, I'm prepared to double down. I'll buckle in with a couple of shares, you know, on the teams that 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 it deems necessary. But you know, we don't need to go down a Jalen Hurts, uh, AJ Brown rabbit hole because these are a couple of my guys we're talking about here. I mean, you you said my guy Jared Goff. I wouldn't hate on the Lions too much. They have in a a great offensive line. They have a very in depth wide receiver core. They have DeAndre Swift. They have TJ Hawkinson at tight end, so just be careful, man. Uh, real quickly, Jacob, uh, as far as more advanced stats go, we have things like, uh, you know, we obviously talked about targets per routes run. We have yards per routes run. We have touchdown dependency rate, which is something I'm big on. Um, is there anything else as far as these advanced stats go that you would like to touch on? Yeah, this uh, I can actually connect it back to AJ Brown. I know we've already spent a lot of time on him, but I think these are just feel two, free. Yeah, two, two fun little nuggets on uh, AJB that also provide just like you know cool use cases for the per route data. Um, so the first one is these are the most efficient intermediate targets from last year, and um, how I found this is just looking at the yard per route run rate on targets that came ten to fifteen yards downfield. And this is just like uh, how you use this data. It's a lot more than just like who had the highest targets per route run rate with the highest yards per hour run rate, you can find all these little subsets uh, to, to get interesting takeaways um, using the per route data. And so Justin Jefferson obviously is insane. He was first T Higgins, second, very cool. I love T Higgins. Uh, third was AJ Brown. And this is important because uh, Jalen Hurts targets uh, the intermediate area of the field at the second highest rate of any quarterback. Um, AJ Brown has been really, really dominant on those routes. And I think it's a just pretty natural fit there with Hurts. Um, the second one is first down targets, which um, I can't shut up about. I really like first down <laughs> we, targets. I talked about we it. love it too. Uh, I was just on CBS uh, talking about on FFT. Um, so first down targets have been worth 20% more PBR points than targets coming on all other downs over the past five seasons. That's an um, incredible stat too. Yeah, it is. And it, it's, I, it makes sense. It's intuitive that, uh, you know, teams are, if they're throwing on first down, they're likely trying to get the ball in the hands of their best players, you know? Um, 
And the list that we have here, you know, exemplifies that perfectly. AJ Brown, 39% target per route run rate on first downs. Uh, the next highest was Devonte Adams at 34%, Debo Samuel at 31%. So only two players even above 30% other than AJB. Um, it's nuts. And we've just, it's, it's been a natural ascension. We've just seen his trajectory continue to go up, up, up since he's come in the league. Um, all his parade data just points towards him being really like one of the best receivers. I have him as my wide receiver one in Dynasty last year. Fucking stoked. Before <laughs> the season started. Um, I've definitely got Justin Jefferson in that spot now. But yeah, I think AJ Brown is insanely good. Um, and I think these uh, these two stats are just like fun ways to point that fact out. And then also to just like show people how this per route data can be taken just a step further. Um, you know, first downs, play action, you know, target per route run rates, all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, AJ Brown to the moon. It's going to happen. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of our listeners, you know, they're all very privy to the fantasy football news and data that comes out. But the targets per route run data is what turned me on to basically switching from writing about Lions to DFS. You know, your analysis is what kind of turned me into a fantasy and uh, analyst. So uh, big shout out to you. I do want to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. So what do you think about a couple running backs? I want to throw you DeAndre Swift first and then I'll throw you the second one. Yeah, I mean, talk about targets per route run. DeAndre Swift really, really stands out. Uh, he was somebody I was extremely bullish on last year uh, because of his per route data, um, both at Georgia and uh, as a rookie. Um, and then, yeah, he obviously smashed as a pass catcher. Um, really, really excited for him again. I think your point about the Lions is a good one. I think they're going to be better than people realize. And I think that they're going to try to run the offense through the running game um, or through the running backs. Um, and I think Swift is obviously going to be the focal point there. So, yeah, I like him a lot. Like, I have been drafting him ahead of Najee Harris who typically goes significantly higher. Um, I think he's running back seven for me right now, Swift. I won't lie. I did read your uh, your sports line article about Jamal Williams a little bit, um, but what, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on Jamal Williams as far as coming into the year injured with that, that ACL injury and uh, his effect on the offense? Uh, you saw on Jameson Williams? Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. Uh, Jameson Williams is a stud. Um, the, what he did last year was really pretty unprecedented. Um, I... It's a horrible fit with Goff, um, just in terms of his tendencies and the types of routes that Williams has been effective on. Also, Jameson Williams was, this could be a small sample size thing because we really only have one year of data on him at the college level, but he was much more efficient on slot routes. And uh, that is probably not going to be available to him much um, just because the person out there in Detroit. Um, I love the talent. I, I don't think I'm going to have much of him this year. Jameson Williams um, is one of, there are a few rookies who I think could struggle in year one uh, just because of circumstances um, and are probably going to be great dynasty buys after this year. So you think he's probably more utilized this year on the outside more than likely? That's what I'm expecting, yeah. Yeah, and he's probably better off in the, in the slot position. I think he's just very – he's someone like Tyreek Hill can really like uh, stretch the field as an explosive uh, playmaker from the slot and just like really just bust zones. Um, but, yeah, I just think it like will add to his fantasy game if he can – get regular opportunities from the slot. I don't think he needs yeah. a full-time slot guy. Hell yeah. I respect that a lot. Um, uh, as far as running backs go again, um, you know, Leonard Fournette was a big breakout last year. Uh, I would say a breakout. He was ranked in the top 10. Uh, what do you think Fournette, you know, kind of, what do you think he does this year as far as projections go? Yeah. I mean, if, if Fournette stays healthy and holds on to a three down roll all year, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he is a top five running back. Uh, when I ran projections at the beginning of the off season, I think he came out as RB four or five, which is nuts. Um, that is nuts. But I mean, like the role is there. If, I love it. 
if he if it's anything similar to what we saw last year in terms of his route involvement, um, his targets on those routes, uh, his goal line usage, like it's going to be one of the best roles of any fantasy running back. With that said, I love Rashad White, um, and I don't know that Fournette is going to hold on to those uh, passing down reps because of Rashad White. So there's definitely some uncertainty with his projection. Um, but if you project him for a three down roll all year, he's going to be insanely good for fantasy. Yeah, Leonard Fournette is my highest exposure running back in best ball. He keeps falling to me, and I I just find myself taking him. What I saw this past year, and and with reports of him coming to camp heavy, his ADP is actually slipping down even further. So I'm I'm afraid that I'm just going to be covered up in Leonard Fournette this season. (laughs) I've seen Dan's expo- uh, exposure to Fournette, and I would bet it's in like close to the 90th percentile. Like Dan's Stop, got man. Fournette everywhere, everywhere. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of tight ends, Jacob. Um, who are some tight ends you like? I'll throw a name out there. It's obviously Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson signed the big deal. Um, how do you feel about Mark Andrews? How do you feel about some other tight ends you like maybe? Uh, I love Andrews. I have Andrews as my tight end one. I think we're splitting hairs really between him and Kelsey, but um, he's uh, going back to Perrette data again. Mark Andrews has been the best um, tight end, him and George Kittle, um, over the past three seasons. And we finally saw him step into a route involvement role similar to Travis Kelsey. He actually uh, ran a route on a higher percentage of Baltimore's dropbacks than Kelsey did on Kansas City's dropbacks last year, which it's huge. That's what we've been waiting for this whole time to unlock things for Mark Andrews. And, you know, big surprise. He's the tight end one in fantasy. Um, now, no Marquise Brown. That's really exciting. Um, I just put out an article on Sportsline uh, that goes through the on-off splits um, for some of these, you know, new look um, offenses. We had a lot of people moving um, this offseason, obviously. And so Travis Kelsey is someone who has actually been pretty dependent on his top receiver. Let me find this real quick. Um, yeah, so... From 2019 till uh, 2021, Kelsey has seen his yard per run rate drop from 2.26 to 1.91 when uh, Tyreek Hill has been off the field. Um, Mark Andrews, that's not the case. He has been significantly better with Marquise Brown off the field. Um, same same uh, sample size here from 2019 to 2021. Mark Andrews' target per run rate rose from 26% to 31% which if you remember earlier, we mentioned Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup led the league with 31% target per run rate. Uh, that's Andrew's rate with Marquise Brown off the field over the past three seasons. His yard per run rate rose from 2.2 to 2.7. Um, when Mark Andrews has been on the field and Marquise Brown has been off the field, he has a 37% target share uh, in his career, which is the highest of any player last year. <laughs> um, but that's A.J. Brown territory. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, it's really like it's, it's nuts. Um, I don't know if it's going to translate. Obviously, Baltimore um, is going to pass less. We all expect that. Um, so when I do run the projections, he's almost identical with Kelsey. But um, I think there's a lot of room for growth if uh, if Baltimore does end up passing more than most people are projecting them for um, with these per route rates because they're just nuts. I, I think the concern is, is that, that Baltimore was – uncharacteristically right. pass happy this past season. And I, I, I think we're, we're all calling for regression. Um, but, you know, the running back stable there it is a, a little not at ease currently. I mean, Corey Clement being brought in, signing to a, to a contract. Uh, obviously, you know, as, as much as they want to, to run the football, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I think that's the biggest concern is, is they, they, they seem – 
pass expectation was 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 off the charts from what we what we have known from right. the Ravens the past couple of seasons, and so it, it's screaming regression. But with as you mentioned, Mar- Marquise Brown now out of the equation. Yes, Rashad Bateman is going to step into that that one role. Maybe Devin Duvernay is going to be the the field stretcher that that you know Marquise Brown was, but. Uh, Bateman kind of working in that same area as Andrews. It's going to be interesting how, you know, the target share really kind of unfolds in that offense. And and if they do continue to be a little bit more pass happy than, than the Ravens that we've known the last couple seasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm not projecting them for anywhere near uh, the pass attempts they had last year. I actually haven't projected for a 10% decrease, uh, which is pretty drastic year over year. And with that, he's still right there with Kelsey. So I think anything – Less than that, um, there's a lot of upside for Andrews. Uh, the other tight ends I would mention, you asked just for some names. I think Zach Ertz mm-hmm. and Dallas Goddard um, are both great um, at their ADP. And then if you want to wait a little bit later, I like Cole Komet um, and Irv Smith quite a bit. Uh, and David Njoku, if we get news that um, the suspension on Deshaun Watson is going to be minimal, then I think he's another decent late-round guy. Are, are there Dan and I were both big on Irv Smith last year, man, and I felt like I got burned a little bit. <laughs> you feel yeah. that way, Dan? Can't predict injuries, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. very true. Yeah, that's very true. That's part of it. But, yeah, I think they're going to be a lot more pass-heavy Minnesota, um, and it should be a bigger role for him or KJ Osborne. Um, I'm pretty Justin excited for Jefferson it. to the moon. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one, for sure. Love it. We have a we have a we have a member here at Sons of Dynasty that's very big on KJ Osborne, so I'm sure he'll respect that very 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 much. So, uh, as far as rookies go, who are some rookies you're looking at? I know you're big on guys like George Pickens. Uh, I know you're big on uh, John Mechie, who we talked a little bit about before the show. Uh, he was obviously has an injury he's dealing with, um, but so who are some rookies you're looking at? Yeah, leukemia for John Mechie. Uh, super super sad. Um, but Jalen Tolbert is the first name that I would throw out there. Um, especially with the news, we just got that Michael Gallup is not going to be ready for week one. It looks like, um, Jalen Tolbert has an awesome opportunity here in Dallas. And I think is the gym, baller. Um, the data on him is really, really exciting. Of course, it came in a small school. So, uh, take it with a grain of salt, but, um, he led all of college football in receiving yards and air yards over the last two seasons. He had 3,600 air yards. Uh, only three other players even had more than 3,000. So, like, what, what's really exciting about Tolbert and what you'll notice with a lot of these guys that I like, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Elijah Moore, they're running really deep routes, and they're still drawing targets at a high rate. Um, and it's a pretty simple equation that normally equals a shit ton of yards. Yeah. Um, and so, like, across the past five seasons, Tolbert is one of just nine players to be targeted on at least 25% of his routes while maintaining an average depth of target above 15 yards. Um, Chris Olave is the only other prospect from the 2022 class to do that. Um, T Higgins and Gabriel Davis are the only other NFL prospects during that time to hit both thresholds. Just to give you an idea of the types of receivers that we're talking about here, um, downfield guys, um, who are able to drop targets at high rate, at least in college and, uh, be highly productive. So I think great opportunity for Tolbert and super excited to see what he's going to do in year one. Uh, George Pickens, you mentioned, we, we've had positive reports on him out of camp as well. He is someone who is very similar. He is really um, beneficial as a deep threat, but we only really saw it in his first season. So like he, it's a lot more volatile of a projection with Pickens. I really don't know what to expect, but what he did as an 18 year old is pretty nuts. Um, he drew a target on 28% of his routes, which was the third highest rate 
among 32 players who had an average depth of target of 15 or more yards. So similar type of players, like we're talking about Gabe Davis, Alave, uh, George Pickens, T. Higgins. Uh, Rashad Bateman is another one who, if you take it back to 2019, fits into that. And then obviously Jalen Tolbert, we just mentioned. Um, so same type of thing. If he you know, steps into a significant role here with Kenny Pickett, who really likes to throw downfield, takes a long time. He had one of the highest um, uh, time to throw of any quarterbacks uh, over the past five seasons at the college level. Um, I think it's just a natural fit. And, and the upside is really, really high. I have no idea what we're going to get from Pickens, um, but I think it's a great fit for him here. I'm pretty excited. Hell yeah. Uh, so we have about 10 minutes left. I just wanted to throw you a couple audibles. So uh, basically on the George Pickens situation, where do you, how, how do you, um, I was kind of big on Chase Claypool, especially after his rookie year. I was somebody that ranked him high coming into the NFL. And then um, obviously he had that, you know, the one big week where he scored three touchdowns and all that stuff. But uh, where do you kind of, where do you feel Claypool's trajectory is right now with George Pickens coming into the camp in Pittsburgh. And then also, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is there and not Ben Roethlisberger anymore. So do you have any thoughts kind of on um, where Chase Claypool stands right now? I think he also stands to potentially benefit from the fact that the quarterbacks they have now like to take their time and throw the ball downfield, whereas Ben Roethlisberger had by far the fastest time to throw. Um, That just doesn't give time for someone like Chase Claypool's routes to develop. Yeah, that's um, very true. Uh, another thing I would point out is that Claypool's per route data is really, really exciting. And so, like, that makes me want to be, you know, bullish on him. But at the same time, he's one of those guys that just seems to do things that irritate his team. We, we saw him actually get benched at times last year. And then they go out and draft two receivers who are really good downfield threats and George Pickens and Calvin Austin, you know. Um, and so I, I don't know what to think about that. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Pickens, you know, really does take away from what we have seen Claypool do in the past. They play a similar type of role. Um, and if Pickens is good and Claypool is, you know, not doing what Pittsburgh wants, it wouldn't shock me. So I think, what do I think about Claypool? He has one of the widest ranges of outcomes of any receiver uh, for 2022. Um, but I do think that the ceiling is immensely high. What he did as a rookie was really, really impressive. Right on. Uh, Dan, you have any kind of audibles you want to send his way? You're muted, bud. Still muted. I don't, I don't know that anybody has more, you know, Deontay Johnson shares than I do. Oh God, and, here we go. You know, I, I I have my my concerns as far as the quarterback play, but at the end of the day, it's like what we were getting out of Big Ben the past couple of seasons. You know, it it can only really get better from there. You know, whether it is Trubisky or or Pickett, you know, I don't know that that either one of them is really the long term option. I don't know that Deontay Johnson is going to be in Pittsburgh this this next season. So, uh, you know, as far as Claypool goes, I I think I still do like him a little bit over Pickens, but both of them uh, could see their value raise. this time next season a, a, a lot if Deontay Johnson's out of the building, if we get some competent QB play this season there in Pittsburgh, I mean, those are a couple of guys right now based off ADP where they're going that, that, that are of value if we do see that QB play improve there for the Steelers. I can bring up a couple guys that are ADP risers and ADP fallers if you're into it, Jacob. Dope, yeah. 
Him and- uh, Kenneth Walker has been uh, falling lately. What are your thoughts on Kenneth Walker? I mean, obviously, um, we had the retirement of uh, God damn it, I can't even remember his name. Chris Carson. Uh, Chris Carson yeah. retired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, that head. that's a serious situation. I did not mean to underplay it. Uh, Chris Carson obviously retired, and um, Rashad Penny has uh, um, reportedly looked healthy at camp and looked strong. So, uh, what's your thoughts on Kenneth Walker? Yeah, I, I like him uh, all right uh, as his ADP falls. I think he is legit, like really, really good um, as an early down running back prospect. Um, he brings almost nothing as a pass catcher. Um, and then obviously the situation he's drafted into is not conducive uh, for receiving stats either. Um, but yeah, Seattle's going to try to lean on the run. They are you know, one of the most archaic offenses that we have seen in a long time. Um, and I don't know if it's going to work. I'm not really enthused to grab either of the running backs, honestly. Um, but he, he's an exciting player. He, if he comes in and is just like Nick Chubb level of a rusher right away, then like, it's definitely possible that he could be relevant fantasy, even without any receiving. Right. But is that, is that his upside Nick Chubb? Because I think we, there's not many people that, that are pushing their chips in, uh, behind the upside of Nick Chubb. I mean, even if, if, if let's say, you know, let's talk out of the box here and say Kareem Hunt gets traded, you know, how much more do we like Nick Chubb? Well, we've seen that that they're more than willing to give uh, to Ernest Johnson uh, the rock, whether it be via the, the receiving work or, or even toting the rock. So it's like even and, and they, they paid they paid Johnson, uh, you know, so he's, he's going to be there. So even if Hunt gets dealt, I don't think that Chubb has the upside. He, he's not really getting the receiving work. I don't think anybody's going to argue he's one of the best, uh, you know, runners that the NFL has to offer and Madden seems to think so too with, with the, his rating. Yeah, that was oh, uh, don't you know, bring up that shit. I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't oh, help God, it. I saw Nick Chubb that. up there and I said, Nick Chubb's not getting that kind of respect in, in my oh, Twitter fear. You know, like as, as, he might be a great, great runner, but nobody's respecting uh, Nick Chubb the way that Madden is right now. I'll tell you that right, you know, right here. Yeah, they also have Jamar Chase at an 87. They've got Christian Kirk ranked higher than Jamar Chase, so. That's crazy. Fist yeah. yourself with that. I agree with what you said, Dan. For the most part, I think Chubb's a pretty easy fit because, uh, like, there's there's just a lot of ways in which it doesn't go well. And if Deshaun is out for most of the year, um, then that offense is going to be brutal. And I don't know if he's going to get a three-down roll, even if they get rid of Hunt. Right, you you could almost even make a case if if you know we knew Watson was going to be there playing all year. Maybe maybe this offense is so good that that Chubb can you know bring back sixteen touchdowns and end up as a top five running back. But without that, there, I mean, I just can't paint a picture where the upside's there for me to warrant taking Nick Chubb uh, as a running back. I mean, I'm talking PPR leagues. I mean, that's that's almost essentially the standard at this point in the industry. Uh, not not many people are in what what we know as a standard league. Uh, it's the upside's just not there. I mean, even even Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, while the targets hadn't always been there, the volume that he was seeing on the ground, the touches that he was uh, returning year in and year out were making up for it, not to mention his big playability that he has. But Nick Chubb just doesn't have that. And I, I love Nick Chubb, a, a Georgia boy uh, myself, you know, obviously uh, I, no disrespect here to Chubb. He just doesn't have the upside that I'm looking for as I far think as he, running back. 
I think Chubb lacks a little bit of the explosiveness that he had before. I could be completely wrong, man. I'm not a scout. You know what I mean? I'm not a, uh, somebody that evaluates players, but I think Chubb just kind of lacks that explosiveness that he had before. I could be totally wrong, um, but just from the games I've watched last year, uh, I still love Chubb a ton, man. He's a great running back. He's a great human being, but I just think – I don't think that explosiveness is really there anymore. And with the Browns' offense possibly stifled even more – that could be like spelling disaster for his upside to be just to be honest with you. Well, let's not, let's not spend any more time here on the Browns right now. Uh, you know, room boys has been in here in the chat. He, he's talking Washington commanders. He's talking Jahan Dotson. Let me ask you, Jacob, I, I, I got a quite a few shares uh, during, during rookie draft season of Dotson early second, mostly. I, I think I've maybe got one late first round share, but most of them were early second to mid second shares. And I was soaking them up. You know, it, it seems like, out of the NFL draft first round wide receivers, uh, you know, he wasn't getting much love from the fantasy football community as, as far as his ADP went. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I mentioned, yes, Terry McLaurin got paid and, and that takes a little bit of the allure of what could be in the next upcoming years uh, out of the picture. But outside of Terry McLaurin, I mean, there's really nobody there in the receiving room that has any kind of stay power that's going to keep Jahan Dotson off the field. Even this rookie season, yes, Carson Wentz, you know, nobody's getting too excited about him. But, you know, potentially, you know, the commanders do just shitty enough this season that they end up with one of these quarterbacks here in this upcoming draft class and now you're talking about a connection that might be there in the works for four years Jahan Dawson a player that I loved in college just you know uh, uh, the king of sub uh, subpar quarterback play in college now is is transitioning beautifully here to the NFL and getting my guy Carson Wentz there in Washington I mean you you, you can't make this shit up it's like a storybook he's gonna prosper but Jacob tell me a little bit more where are you on Jahan Dotson. Yeah, Dotson is tough uh, to evaluate for somebody like me who uh, places so much emphasis on the data just because his data is not very good because of the quarterback you know, struggles that you mentioned um, during his time in college. Um, but I will say it got a lot better last year. Um, he made really you know, noticeable improvements in his final season there um, in terms of his underlying uh, per-out stuff. Um, he did struggle um relative to the other receivers in the class on uh nfl level routes a lot of his uh production was scripted um just getting him you know screens slants um and flare routes just easy stuff around the line of scrimmage to get the ball in his hands which is you know that's fair um you, you know you do that for your best players um but that did inflate his numbers uh, more than a lot of the other prospects that i evaluated so i i think there are are reasons to uh be a little bit wary of dotson um where he was going. If he's in late first, I, there's other guys that I prefer. Um, but the fit is pretty good, like you mentioned, and he has an opportunity to, you know, walk into regular playing time right away. Um, I, I don't know if McLaurin affects him much, honestly. I think that they run different types of routes and what he will do is more similar to Curtis Samuel's role. Um, so I'm curious how those two will coexist with Samuel supposedly healthy this year. Um, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, anytime you get a receiver with that type of draft capital and you can get him in the second round um, and he's going to play right away, like I, I think that's a fair bet to, to make. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at the commander's, uh, you know, slot receivers they've had, they've had over the last few years. And, you know, you're Adam Humphreys, uh, you know, the, nobody uh, of really any caliber has been there 
so I do like my guy Dotson to step in here and have a role year one. And like I mentioned, this next year, Logan Thomas, you know, we'll see if he comes back and, and how healthy he is. But, he, you know, he, he's going to be out of the equation here pretty soon. So Terry McLaurin, Dotson, they're really going to be able to soak up the targets. And what I mentioned, I'm hoping is maybe a, a different quarterback, a, a better quarterback a, a young rookie signal caller this upcoming season that those those that trio can really blossom together i don't know what the hell the commanders are going to do at the running back position you know with with, with uh you know gibson mckissick and robinson now get, getting Better. some draft capital as well i mean they i think uh, scott barrett released his, his running back chart uh, that, that showed the usage of, uh, you know, all the running backs versus their RB1. And Washington, while they used their running backs at, at a 30% clip, uh, you know, and the RB1, I think, was the 19% or something like that. I just don't know who I want to trust. At this point, though, where Gibson's ADP is at, I, I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm, I'm nibbling on that bait at this point, but I don't love it. I don't love that. I don't love that team. I don't love any, any part of it, really, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I love Gibson, but I mean, if he is potentially looking at losing short yardage and third down work, and it's just like what's left on an offense that's probably going to be average to so far. Brian Robinson, yep. that's like his thing. He was like the best short yardage back in the class. It's like him, Kenneth Walker, Tyler Gear. Like, uh, it's a clear role that they brought him in for, and they drafted him in the third round next. Gibson was a guy that we put on our list of do not drafts, like yeah. probably. I don't even know how long it's been, Dan. What has it been? Maybe 90 days, two months ago? I don't even know. To be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, it was a while back we we were saying don't draft Gibson. And then um, some drafts started rolling around, and I seen Gibson's ADP falling. And then I started taking him because he was falling so far. So I think a lot of, with Gibson, for at least for me personally, is how far he's going to fall. If he's going to fall to a point where – He's basically a value. Yeah, I'm going to take him because anybody, everybody's worth the price. You know what I mean to me? Um, yeah. But, yeah, me and Dan were both very anti-Gibson. Uh, if you would have asked us probably 60 days ago, we would have said no way. But um, I've been taking him just because he's been falling so far. So I love him, uh, Gibson. He's super talented. So like I, He's so very talented, yeah. It's just the for, situation, just not yeah. what we want for him, you know? Yeah, I'm usually Kinda, just drafting and receivers sucks. in that range where he's going. <laughs> yeah, especially you know I've been in. So at this point, just kind of off the off the cuff. Um, at this point right now, I'm in all best ball drafts, and I've just been a wide receiver heavy, just mm -hmm. in a melee. <laughs> it's been fun though. It's been a fun week. All right, guys. Anybody else you guys want to touch on before we begin to close it out here this evening? Uh, um, Do you want to talk about Kadarius Tony? I saw in the NFC. Really yes, please, please. That's let's, actually let's very worth mentioning. Let's because take a minute to talk about Tony. I, I saw that you wanted to mention him, so I kind of highlighted there next to it that I would love to talk some Kadarius Tony. Being a Georgia guy, I'm actually a Florida Gators fan, and while while I I. I backed off Tony, his, his rookie. I didn't. I didn't get a ton of exposure just because I had my doubts. I, I've watched him play. the The profile didn't quite add up. You know, he it, it, it didn't look good for him. But what I saw when he was given the opportunity to perform this past season, and and, and the numbers that he put up. Uh, comparable to some of the, the guys that we hold as great in the league when you're talking about a uh, per route run basis. So uh, I'll let you get into it a little bit, Jacob, before I, I talk myself into a tongue tie. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I mentioned with Chase Claypool that he has possibly like the widest uh, range of outcomes of any like fantasy relevant receiver. Uh, Kadarius Tony is right up there with him. Um, the thing with Tony that we, we have to realize before we get too excited is that we're talking about 196 routes as a rookie. It's a really, really small sample size. Uh, 350 routes is typically the qualifier that I use as a cutoff point. Um, he's way below that. But on those routes, he saw just absolutely absurd usage. He was targeted on 29% of his routes which would have ranked fifth uh, just behind A.J. Brown and those guys we talked about. Um, targeted a really high rate on first downs. Again, tiny sample size, but like the Giants were clearly intentional about getting the ball. And now, you know, we've got a coaching change in New York. Uh, the offense is healthy. I think that they should be significantly better. They also have drastically underperformed in the touchdown department the last two years. There's definitely regression coming for their offense as a whole. And so I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited um, about New York and Tony potentially being the wide receiver one. But on the other side of the coin, he was drafted by a different organization than they've got now. And they immediately went out and used a second round pick um, on Wanda Robinson, who profiles very similarly to Tony, like in terms of the types of routes that they excel on. Um, I don't know what that the hell to make of that. Like, what does that mean? That was my next question for you was, what do you think of the different regime drafting another wide receiver? Right. Exactly. Literally my next like, question for you. And I don't know, like no one really knows what they're doing, but like Robinson does run extremely similar routes to Tony and profiles is a very similar player um, in terms of the way that, you know, they ideally will get the ball in his hands. Um, I don't know what that means. Maybe it's just insurance because they have three receivers who have, you know, struggled to stay healthy in Stone Shepard, Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony. Um, or maybe, you know, it is a sign that they're not happy with Tony and we probably shouldn't overreact to the small sample size of him you know, being so dominant last year, I don't. I really don't know. Yeah, and I mean, we we heard rumors during the off season a potential uh, trade candidate that Tony was, right. and, and and that did get backed up by Wandale Robinson getting drafted here by this new regime. But I think the the one thing that we know for sure is that the Giants are due for some some positive regression as far as the touchdowns that you mentioned. And really just Dabal coming in there and running a, a scheme that we've seen prove very fantasy friendly for not only the quarterback position, but but the weapons around him as well. And just seeing what Tony was able to do with that limited sample size. I mean, the wiggle that that kid possesses, I look at him and, and some of the plays that he did this past year when once he got the ball in his hands, I don't know that you can find a, a wide receiver that looks like he would be more of a challenge to bring to the ground than Kadarius Tony. I mean, just the lightning in a bottle ability that that kid possesses, it's special, and I hope that Dabal can bring out the best in him. Uh, maybe maybe Wondell Robinson you know, reports that he, he's getting work out of the backfield at this point, um, but, you know, any, anything's possible. I think the Giants' offense is, is going to take a big step forward Potentially, Kadarius Tony could be at, at behind the wheel at that because that wide receiver room is up for grabs. Yes, Kenny Galladay is there, but as you mentioned, another guy who's failed to really live up to what we were hoping he would be when he got that big contract there. Um, but you know, who knows? I love Kadarius Tony. I've been soaking up tons of exposure this this off season in dynasty in best ball. Just because I'm, I'm I'm banking on that upside, while unpredictable, I believe it is there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, betting odds right now show Jimmy G landing in New York. What are your guys' thoughts? Where do you think Jimmy G lands? I'll go to Dan first. Um, I, 
you know, I, I don't know. Just throw something out there. I'll, I'll throw Seattle out there just because that I was don't mine. Really, yeah, hell yeah. I really don't believe in either quarterback that they have there. And while that's the case here down in Atlanta as well, I don't they're, know that uh, I believe. They're currently the third, but that was my thought. I don't know that I believe in them either, but I just don't know that there's many really suitors for Jimmy G. Yes, yes, there there could be, but none of them, the obvious answers anyway, none of them feel like they're really in a a position to, you know, take on that that cap, take on that that contract or or whatever they might be looking at. So I'm not sure. And you know, I, I loved seeing uh, Shanahan and and Lynch come out and say, you know, that Trey Lance is their guy, and and it really needed to be that. Put the all capital, of our doubts to the, rest. The right capital here. that he got, what they gave up to to move up and get him. I mean, we we need Trey Lance this season. So Jimmy G, uh, you know, whether he ends up staying on as an insurance policy, if Lance struggles, and maybe that gives them somebody to turn back to. I don't know. I just don't really see a great suitor right now for Jimmy G trade and and what he means to the 49ers, you know, as far as getting that value back. So I'm interested to hear what Jacob thinks. Jacob, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Seattle makes sense. Um, I think people have linked him to Houston. I don't. Did you see the uh, quote from Greg Cassell today? I thought it was really interesting. He said, uh, "I did, I did." Yeah, he just watched Davis Mills and he was really, really impressed and thinks he's like clearly better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, which is interesting because Greg Sell is not somebody to really like just blow smoke or hype like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to make much of an impact to fantasy, regardless of where Jimmy Garoppolo is at this year. I just wanted to hear what you guys thought on it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to definitely have some rumblings in the fantasy community. So I thought maybe it would be uh, worth your time to ask yeah. you guys on that. All right, guys. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for us here tonight. Please make sure that you are subbed to the SOD YouTube page. Click the bell so that you do not miss a show with us. Big thank you to Fantasy Points Media Group. And with our promo code, remember, you can save 10%. That promo code is SUNS22. Hat tip to our guy, Brother Matt, who is here behind the scenes with us tonight, producing all these super sexy layovers that we get to use every time we do a show. Matt, we appreciate you. And again, a big thank you to Jacob for joining us this evening. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Jagibs underscore 23. He is uh, you know, constantly putting out the Twitter content that, that Nate's gushing over and sharing with us in the SOD group chat constantly. And I'll I'll admit it, it's good stuff. You know, I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and talk him up too much. You know, you, you find out for yourselves. Go give him a follow. Ask follow him. follow Sons of Dynasty at Dynasty Sons. Nate, is there anything else that you want to say? Jacob, is there anything that you want to plug here before you get out? Any upcoming content, anything that you just released recently? Or, 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 you know, a, a life trouble that you're having that maybe Nathaniel and I can help you with. <laughs> uh, I guess this big head thing, man, it's just a lot. 97% is so crazy to me. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, now, I, the on-off splits is the most recent thing that I put out on Sportsline. I think there's some really interesting stuff in there. Um, I'm actually about to add, I looked up while we were talking about the Steelers, I'm about to add this to the article. Uh, it's a really insanely small sample size, 98 routes over the last two seasons. Um, but Deontay Johnson, uh, with Ben Roethlisberger not at quarterback, has only been targeted on 17% of his routes. And Chase Claypool, on an even smaller sample size, 31 routes, has been targeted on 39% of his routes. 
So because that confirms, you know, our bias here and wanting the, the deep ball guys to be more targeted with the different quarterbacks, I'm going to go ahead and use it, even though it's an extremely small sample size and probably means nothing. Um, but yeah, you can check that article out. Um, I've got a couple other things coming out that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Um, looking at uh, average depth of target, average route depth, and just like how you can use that information uh, for fantasy purposes uh, with all the moves we've had this offseason. Um, but yeah, really appreciate you guys having me on. It was a fun talk. Yeah, Jacob, I just want, we go ahead, yeah. Nate. I was just going to say, I just want to give a big thank you to Jacob. Um, Jacob's analysis has won us money on SODFS. SODFS does start in less than five weeks, so be sure to check us out there. Um, as much smoke as Dan wants to pass, Jacob's analysis is, has literally won us money. So Dan can Dan can play that game, and you know <laughs> we'll talk it. about it after the show. But Jacob's analysis has literally won SODFS money week to week on a week to week basis. So it does correlate not only to fantasy football, but to uh, daily fantasy football as well. Uh, big shout out to, as Dan said, to Brother Matt. Brother Matt, uh, this show is not possible without you. Um, the rest of the SOD team, you can catch all of us on the SOD Twitter. Um, I just love everybody involved. It's it's great to be able to put out this type of content, just to be able to, to chat with people in the community, to chat with people I look up to, because I do look up to Jacob uh, a lot uh, personally. So, Jacob, thank you for coming on to our show. Thank you for being a part of it. Um, it means a lot to me personally. Uh, so thank you very, very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Anytime was great. Yeah, Jacob, uh, as Nate mentioned, SODFS will be kicking off here in the upcoming weeks. You know, I know you're going to be busy during that in-season uh, grind, but we'd love to have you back on sometime, man, and, and talk a little bit more fantasy football in the future. All right. Yeah, we'll make it happen. All right, guys. Well, make sure you are following Sons of Dynasty there on Twitter at Dynasty Sons. Subscribe to that YouTube channel and make sure you check out all of our upcoming content via Twitter and via YouTube. Until next time, I am Dan. He is Nate and he is Jacob. Much love to everybody out there this evening. Fucking killed it, bro. Fucking killed it. That was fun. You just ad-libbed randomly. <laughs>